Razorback basketball fan, okay? So just like, and, and, and as, the, as I kept advancing in the tournament, my attire became more and more hog-themed. I know everybody was wishing for multiple reasons, but not only to see what I would wear if we were still in the tournament. And we, I feel like we could have been. But anyways, I just want you to know, season's not over until I say it's over. So we got <laughs> hog socks right there. Um, and one of the things, one of the things we, we were joking about is I made this thing, and it's really not a joke. It's funny, but it's not a joke. Is that, that like, like during like a really intense, important game, there's a limited number of people that I can be around. And I would say there's a limited number of people who would want to be around me because it really is, it's, it's me at my worst. And I get really stressed, I get really into it, and, and I act in ways that, you know, most of you would look at, and again, you would regret your selection of church just by, by seeing it. So, like, that's, that's me at my worst, and there's only so many people that could handle me at my worst. You feel that, right? Like, when you're at your worst, there's, there's just, you know, I can't, I, I can, there's only some people, and it's, and it's not just that. I mean, it's, just even this week, like on, on Thursday, I got my second uh, COVID vaccination, which was just a really poor planning on my part. So like, like there was a press conference on a Tuesday, said we're opening it up to, to pastors. And so I immediately signed up for something that was like for, I think, the following Thursday. It was the first one I guess. I'll just sign up for it. And then later did the math three weeks after that. Yep, that's the Thursday before Easter, which was, and again, it just, it knocked me out. I mean, if I'm glad... I'm glad we didn't have Good Friday services because I was in bed all day. And when I'm tired, when I'm sick, I'm not at my best. I'm, I, just, I'm just, I just get cranky, and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not great to be around. And, and, and people will say that who you really are comes out um, when you're at your worst. And in this series, we've been kind of, that leads up here to Easter, we've been going through... Um, this last week of Jesus. This last week of Jesus, all the way up here till today, we're going to talk about his, his, his actual death and then his resurrection. And, and, and one of the things I've really been impressed with is we've been seeing Jesus in some really dark moments, some really disturbing things for him have been happening to him, and we're seeing his character come out in that. Like he's in the garden, and he's, he, he's, he's nervous, he's scared, about what's about to come. He's asking the Father to take it away. It says that he is just overwhelmed with his grief. But even in the midst of that, knowing the day that's about to come, the next day, he is showing compassion to his disciples. He is healing one of the servants of the people who have come to arrest him. We see his character just shining. And then last week, as we were looking at his trial, we see Jesus um, being tortured and and they're and they and they got him on these little fake trials, and they're just they're they're testing him. They're trying to play this game with him. They're they're goading him, and he just stays cool and calm the whole time. He doesn't he doesn't get he doesn't get sucked into their anger and their frustration and trying to trick him. He just stays cool and continues to be, you know, the son of God and just demonstrate incredible character. And and I'm I don't want to say I'm surprised by it. I mean it's Jesus me, but I'm. I'm incredibly impressed, and, and it's, it's, it's very worshipful, like that at his, these worst kind of dark moments, his character shines bright. But what we're going to see today, I think, is even another level beyond that in Luke chapter 23. And so if you were here last week or you've been kind of following along, um, we looked last week at his arrest... And so finally, after kind of being bounced back and forth to all these different types of tribunals, 
uh, the Roman governor, Pilate, finally is just sick of the whole thing and says, fine, we'll, we'll, we'll crucify him. We'll, we'll execute him on your behalf. And so now he is being led away to the place where he is about to be executed. In Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, Hey, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And so here he is, he's, he's, been, he's been tortured, persecuted, mocked. He's probably been up for at least 36, maybe 48 hours straight. He's exhausted, and they finally get him to the place, and they string him up here on this cross, and his immediate thought, the immediate thing, the first thing out of his mouth is he looks at the people who have been taunting him, punishing him, torturing him, and are now executing him. He looks at all of them, and he, and he, and he says to God the Father, God, forgive them. They don't, they don't really understand what's going on here. God, just forgive them. And then the people that he is asking God to forgive, they start hurling more insults at him. The, the, the guards do, the crowd does. And then the criminal, one of the criminals on one side of him starts doing the same thing, starts just throwing these insults at him. And this criminal next to him, he says, man, don't you, I mean, stop here, bro. Do you not understand what's happening here? You and I, we're being executed for things that we did, and we're getting exactly what we deserve. But what? He hasn't, he hasn't done anything. And then he looks at Jesus like, Jesus, when you become the king, will you please remember me? And, and, and Jesus said to him, Hey, today, today, you and me, we're going to be together with God in paradise. And so we see Jesus completely exhausted, humiliated, broken, bleeding, about to die. And what we see is that at his death, Jesus was full of compassion. Just full of compassion. That's where his heart and his mind went. Not anger. He wasn't lashing out at anybody. He wasn't getting frustrated with anybody. He looked and everywhere he saw, what he saw were people that needed the love and the forgiveness of God. He sees... He sees the people who are killing him, who have have, have done these sham trials against him and had all these people torture him. And he looks at him and says, God, I don't get it. God, just forgive them. And then he's got these criminals next to him. 
He's criminals next to him, and, the, and one's mocking him. He's got this other one who's clearly being executed for something that he deserves to be executed for because even he admits it. I, I mean, you, we know what we did, and we're getting exactly what we deserve. And then Jesus extends compassion to him too. So at his worst, at his darkest moment, Jesus' character just shines and is overwhelmed with compassion. But it's not just that we're seeing Jesus at his worst moment. He's also seeing them at their worst moment. He is seeing an angry mob kill an innocent man and he gives them forgiveness. And he sees this criminal and he's like, remember me when you become the king. And he gives him at this moment where he, again, by his own words, being justly executed for something that he knows that he did. He offers him compassion. Now, I think it's important for us to take note maybe here of some things that Jesus didn't say. So this criminal looks at Jesus and says, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. He says, well, maybe. Um, I've got a couple of questions first. Tell me exactly what you did. Tell me, I mean, so did, did you kill somebody? Did you steal something? What did you do? Take, take some notes. And on a scale of 1 to 10, how sorry would you say that you are? It was nothing. Nothing like that. Didn't ask him to details. Didn't ask for some overwhelming detailed confession. He didn't have to sit there and just beg and beg Jesus for forgiveness and show this overwhelming contrition. Just a simple moment of reaching out to Jesus and saying, will you just please remember me? It's today, bro. Today. Today, me and you, with God in heaven, together, today. So at his worst, Jesus saw this dude getting exactly what he deserved for the crimes he committed. In his worst, most desperate moment, and Jesus' heart is filled with compassion towards him. So I ask you this question. What do you believe Jesus sees when he sees you at your worst. Now, if I'd asked you that question 30 minutes ago, you probably would have given a different answer. But you're playing, playing along, right? You're listening, most likely. And, and you probably see where this is going. Most of us think when Jesus sees me at my worst, he is disappointed, he is frustrated, he is angry, and he is ready to to, to do damage to me, to, to make me feel bad. His, his eyes on my situation makes things worse, not better. The judgmental glare and eye of God. But that's not what the cross seems to demonstrate. What the cross demonstrates is, is that at their worst, Jesus says, I want to love you, I want to forgive you, and I want to bring life to you. He's coming at you like this, and while you imagine him about to choke you, he is a wants to hug and embrace you and forgive you and give you life to restore your brokenness, to heal your hurts, to forgive your sins. His heart his mind are overwhelmingly filled with compassion. 
And yet too many of us run scared because what we think when we see or we, we just imagine God seeing me, disappointment, anger, and judgment. When you've got a God reaching out, loving hands, saying, I want to give you life and forgiveness and give you my compassion. And so at their darkest moment, and at Jesus' darkest moment, His death is full of compassion. And then we'll see, He eventually does die. And the disciples are are overwhelmed with grief. And because He's a criminal, and because we're getting really close now to the Sabbath, um, he's not allowed to have a traditional burial with, 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 with all the anointing and the spices and everything that go with that. But because there were a couple of his followers that did have a measure of political influence, they were able to take his body and bury it in a new tomb. So now the Sabbath comes and goes, and now it's Sunday morning. And there's a group of women that are coming out here, and they're thinking, we, I, we need to do something. So they're going out here with spices in the hopes of being able to, after the fact, be able to give him more of a traditional ceremonial burial. I mean, they've got a couple of problems here because the guards, have, the, the, the Romans have put a, a stone, a big, giant stone in front of the tomb. There's, there's guards there. They didn't really think about that. They just knew that they needed to do something for this, for this man, this teacher, this, this great person who had meant so much to them, who was now dead. And so now they're going out there. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. So it looks like God's done something really cool here. They, they, got it, they figured it out, okay, okay, the, 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 the stone is gone, and so now we're going to be able to do this. But, verse 3, when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, which presents a greater problem if your desire is to wrap him up and give him a ceremony burial. You can't find him. In verse 4, while, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, uh, hear this, okay? They bowed their faces to the ground and the men said to them, Why do you look for the living Among the dead. He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. While he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. Be crucified. And on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. So for quite some time now Jesus has been trying to communicate this to them. Hey, 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 listen here. Hey, listen, um, some bad things are going to happen to me. I'm, I'm going to be arrested, and I'm going to be tortured, and I'm going to die. But know this, that after three days, I am going to come back to life. Okay? You hear me? Hear me? It's going to get bad. You're not expecting this. I know you think I'm going to be this king, it's, it's, but, but it's okay. I'm going to die, but on the third day, I'm going to come back to life. You hear me? You hear me? We're good? Even all this week leading up to this, he's been saying this to them over and over again. But they couldn't hear it. They couldn't hear it. They couldn't believe that Jesus was actually going to die. And so because they couldn't really believe he was going to die, they couldn't put their mind... They never heard the second part that he was going to come back to life. And so they're completely and overwhelmed with grief. 
And so these angels then say to them, what, what are you doing? Why are you looking for someone who is alive among the dead? Do you not remember what he said? He said that this was not going to last, that he was going to come back. Don't you remember? And it says, and then they remembered. And then they get really excited and they get hopeful. And then they go to the disciples and the same thing happens. They tell the disciples and like, that sounds like nonsense. Because they couldn't believe it. But then they saw the empty tomb. And then they were filled with hope too. So on Jesus at his worst, at his death, Jesus was full of compassion. And because of his resurrection, you need to be, you, you need to be full of hope. You need to be full of hope. He's not dead anymore. He was dead. They killed him. He faced death. He conquered death. And he came back and he said, death is not the end. Death is not the end. It's not the finality. There is life after death. There is hope in me. And there is nothing that this world can do to you, including death, that can take that hope away. And these angels are saying, why are you here? Why are you here? This is where people grieve. This is where people are sad. This is where people get frustrated. There's only dead things here. Why are you here looking for Jesus? Why are you in a hopeless place looking for hope? Why are you in a dead place looking for life? Do you not remember what he said? Now, it's been a long year. It's been a long year. We are in month 13 of 30 days to slow the spread. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, it's been tough. There's been a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of sadness, depression, frustration, you know, just isolation, just despondency, confusion, like what's happening, what's, what's my life like, and, and, and we get really frustrated and angry and scared and depressed, and all of these things happen to us. And then, and then we're all in different ways. Like, it's like I, I need some hope. I need some hope. I, 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 need, I, need, I need to know that things are going to get better. And you know where we look? We look out there. We look out there. There's somebody out there that's going to be able to give me hope. And I'm telling you, I, I feel like this has happened long before there was a COVID. But COVID has just kind of brought it all up. That I'm looking for hope out there from them. They're going to tell me something. They're going to do something. They're going to change something. This next election, the, the next election, the next election. And then, then I can have hope again. And so November comes and there's an election. And if your guy won, it's like, now I've got some hope. Or your guy lost and you're like, now it's going to be even worse. And then they lift a mask mandate and you think, man, that's great news. We can have hope. Or you're like, no, it's terrible news. Now it's going to be even worse. And the vaccines come out. You're like, that's great news. We're going to be vaccinated. It's great news. Like, no, it's terrible news because that means that they're out to get us and they're going to do this or whatever. And, and, and depending on what side you've taken... You let them out there decide whether or not you can be hopeful or not. Because you are out there looking for hope amongst the hopeless. You are looking for the living among the dead. And you are looking for the eternal hope that comes from people that have nothing to offer. 
hope is found in Jesus. And, and, and I say to you what the angels said to the women, do you not remember what he said? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Do you not remember what he said? I'm going to die, but then I'm going to come back to life. And then death no longer has any power over any of you. Now, I'm not telling you that you don't have, haven't had good reasons to be scared, to be confused, to be hurt. The isolation that comes from that is it brings frustration or anxiety or anger. You feel all of these overwhelming emotions, and I, I get it. We have all been there. And like I said, we didn't need a pandemic to unsettle us. We've been unsettled for a while, looking for hope and life and joy in all of the wrong places. But don't you remember? Don't you remember what he said? And I think the thing that is breaking my heart is how many people are looking to places where hope and life don't exist, wishing hope and life would come. You get no criticism or judgment from me that you have felt a little lifeless or a little hopeless. But we come here together on Easter to make sure that we are all clear and of one mind and one heart about where hope and life It is in the compassion that Jesus showed on the cross and the hope that we get from his resurrection. That's where hope is. That's where life is. And we were talking about this morning that there are going to be some people here for whom that's never never been true. For a lot of people, this is a reminder. This is a reminder. This is a, this is a reboot, a restart, a refocus. But for some of us, this is something that's never been true. You've, you've never really fully understood and accepted the compassion that Jesus Christ is offering through the cross, the forgiveness that comes through his sacrifice and his death. You've never, you've never made that yours. You've never humbly looked at him like the criminal on the cross and said, Jesus, remember me. And you've never had the hope that comes from knowing that Jesus Christ came back to life and declared victory over sin and death and the worst that this world has. And our prayer this morning is that those of you who do not know that would leave here today knowing it. And not just knowing it, but experiencing it. And so my prayer, my urging to you is to reach out to Jesus in the same way that criminal did. Remember me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Give me life, Jesus. The forgiveness, I want it. And he will then fill you with the hope that comes from the resurrection. But whether you need to understand that for the first time or just the next time, pray that everyone here 
would no longer surrender to hopelessness. That we would no longer be forgetting where hope and life are. And we would stop letting what's happening out there get in to what's happening in here. You can disrupt my circumstances. You can disrupt my life. You can change my habits. You can change where I can eat. You can change all of those things, but you cannot change the hope that comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And our prayer for all of us is, is that no matter what today holds, what this week holds, what this year holds, what the rest of your life holds, that we would never unwaver for the everlasting hope that is in Jesus Christ. Let's pray.